Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here we are again, second year in a row. Um, welcome to another edition of the Wolverines post-game show here on the Wolverine.com YouTube channel if you're watching live. Uh, those of you who will hear it later on in the podcast feed. Um, if I'm a little muted today, I am in a working press box here, so I don't want to you know, disturb all of my colleagues here. But, I mean, you guys watched the game. Uh, Michigan went to the horseshoe, won 45-23, a place it hasn't won since the year 2000. First time you've had back-to-back wins in this series since 1999 and 2000. Um, I don't know where to start with this one other than, first off, I've already made the uh, the steak dinner reservations next weekend. That's done. That's already been taken care of. Second of all, we talked about this last week, Ryan, in that at some point this season, your quarterback was going to have to go out and win you a football game. And every week when it didn't happen, you're like, okay, well, is it going to be Ohio State where it happens? Injuries take place, take, uh, take place last week. Uh, drag into this game. I mean, Blake Horm had two carries, and that was going to be all he was going to be able to give you. Your quarterback, for the first time in a long time in this series, won you a football game. Initial thoughts, Ryan. Your quarterback won you a football game. Your defense won you a football game. Uh, The defense in the second half to come out in that second. That's the first off, I got to say. That's the best half of football I've seen a Michigan football team play. And I don't have to stay muted. I'm going nuts. My baby's going to wake up, and I don't care. It's (laughs) The best half of football that I've ever seen Michigan football play. It is Harbaugh's. Uh, it's his Mona Lisa as far as his coaching uh, has gone so far here at Michigan to play that second half of football the way that Michigan played it and allow Ryan Day to go in at halftime, make their halftime adjustments. And Jesse Minter comes out and just with a wet blanket smothers Ohio State. Mike Sanders still huge game. Everybody in the secondary. We can get into what we probably could have done better, but my gosh, the Michigan secondary, as many questions as has been asked of that unit, what a way to step up, what a game to step up, what a platform. And, I mean, you can go across the board, but for me personally, defensively, I think we outscored them 28-3 in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. 
unbelievable effort uh, by Jesse Minner and all the guys on defense down a couple bodies. And the Michigan defense is for real. If you had any questions, they have now been answered. Absolutely. And I said it at some point last week during the Illinois game, and this was before Chase Brown ran on them a little bit, but I said, I have zero issue saying that Jesse Minner is Jim Harbaugh's best defensive coordinator. And obviously this week was going to be the week where, you know, it's, it's a legacy definer. It is the one that when people talk about this game, they talk about your name and what you did to either aid in a victory or what you didn't do that led to a loss. Uh, I thought that the adjustments that were made were outstanding. I thought that this defense, I mean, again, we talked about this last week too, is that when you play against these high powered offenses, you're not going to pitch a shutout. You're not going to get off the field on, you know, um, on three and out every time out, which Michigan had quite a few of those in this game, but you got to get off in key moments. You got to have guys that make plays. Mike Sane was still game of his career today. A couple pass breakups in the end zone late in this game that helped Michigan hold off Ohio state. Um, it, just an incredible counterpunch. It is a team that outside of that game last week has not been in a wire to wire, uh, you know, dogfight. I mean, this was a dogfight. Don't get me wrong. This is an eight point game with like five minutes to go, but just this team had, had that championship DNA. I had told anyone who would listen that if you found a way to get this Ohio state team in a game in the fourth quarter, your conditioning was going to win out. Your culture was going to win out and they weren't going to flinch. They weren't going to be bothered by what they would see. And that is, I think we start with, we'll just start taking questions. This is as much our post-game show as it is, uh, you guys that are listening. Uh, we'll start this w- with this one from QED, who says, first question, and Ryan, we'll go to you on this one. Can you please break down the halftime adjustments? It looked like they went perfectly, but would love to hear your thoughts on what specifically changed coming out of the locker room. Well, what I saw defensively was not too much of a shift, at, honestly. I thought that we... We were going to rely on Mozzie Smith and Mason Graham to take away the run, and we were not going to take another safety and drop them down to the box. You saw two high safeties very regularly almost every play in the second half, and we were going to keep them in front of us. Uh, I think that we did a little bit more trying to generate pressure. You saw a lot of three-man, four-man games out of the defensive line, but we weren't bringing blitzes. I mean, honestly, in the first half, when we got beat, you know, Sanders still gets beat on that drag route where a linebacker, if he puts some body on the guy on uh, Abuki, Abuko, uh, he doesn't get that catch. And then the other one, Marvin Harrison Jr., he's going to make his plays. That kid's amazing. I mean, let's just give credit where credit's due. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the real deal. But we bring a safety from 12 yards deep on a delayed bl- delayed blitz. He's never going to get there, especially in the red zone. It's not a red zone call. So we made a couple mistakes, and Ohio State makes us pay for it. Second half, we made no mistakes. Our play calls were perfect. Uh, I thought that we we did a really good job clamping down the perimeters. The two high safeties allowed us to roll our corners down a little bit shallower and play at the line of scrimmage. So all of a sudden those swing passes that they were hitting on first down that were getting them to second and three, they didn't have that available to them anymore. And to be honest, we took them completely out of their game plan. I mean, for them to run the ball, I would be willing to bet they ran the ball more on first and 10 than we did in the second half, even when we were up. And that's just not their DNA. And we took them completely out of what their pace of game was and what their style of play was uh, just by being uh, – make, make them take the long way. We were going to give up yards no matter what. So I think you saw us allowing them to come down the field, and we're going to try and – they said they were talking on the broadcast about four-point plays. No touchdowns, field goals only. And, I mean, look at that second half. We gave up one field goal. Yeah, amazing. And it is uh, – the thing that's crazy to me is that – 
again, the old adage is, you know, whoever usually whoever outrushes the other team winds up winning the game. And at one point, I think Ohio State was outrushing Michigan like 65 to 1. Uh, now, it took a couple long Donovan Edwards touchdowns at the end, uh, which talk about another amazing game-breaking effort there. Uh, 22 right, carries, uh, 216 yards, two touchdowns as people start yelling over me. Uh, in the press box here, but uh, yeah, just uh, just amazing. What about offense? Tell me what we saw from JJ McCarthy in this game today. A star-making turn from him. I mean, he was asked to do a whole lot with regards to not having uh, quorum healthy. Edwards, you could tell ball security wise, he did a tremendous job having basically one hand out there. But uh, he did a tremendous job orchestrating the offense, not putting the ball at risk. Even when he did put the ball at risk, we drew some flags. He did everything that you could have asked for him to do. And I thought he started to get more committed to when he's going to pull it down and run, just go for it. Get your seven yards, get your eight yards and, and see what happens. I think the threat of him running the ball made it to where Ohio State just had was stretched too thin, trying, trying to figure out what to do defensively. And he made some terrific decisions. 12 for 24 doesn't wow you on a stat sheet. Three touchdowns maybe, but uh, he played an amazing game in – the biggest game of his career. And he just cemented himself as some type of Michigan legacy that he now continues to get to build on. And I think I need to salt, pepper, whatever I need to do to my crow, because I definitely need to eat it because I was uh, wondering why we we were so set with Cornelius Johnson and Cornelius Johnson came out and balled balled out, played a great game. All of our guys did, but uh, we've been waiting and begging. Is a receiver going to be able to make a play when it comes time to make one? And the answer was yes. Cornelius Johnson made some big plays for us. Um, I thought that we had enough guys making plays that that made Ohio State adjust to not being able to load up the box. And the second they took out that extra guy from the box, that's when Donovan Edwards went to work. I want to shout out a something here with a 49.99 super chat. People are throwing fire in the money cannon at us. If you'd like to get in from the line to ask a question, uh, feel free to utilize that feature and we'll get you up front. And his only question was, how about the Wolverines? How about them? Come back to Indianapolis. Uh, we'll see what happens in terms of opponent. Uh, still, uh, Purdue still alive. Illinois still alive. Iowa still alive. Uh, we can talk scenarios there in a bit. But yeah, going back to Indy. Uh, let's go. Let's take a question. Here's one from you. Jason Sudeikis. I don't think this is the actual Jason Sudeikis. I'd be stunned, but he wants to know, uh, Ryan, should Michigan be ranked number one now? I don't think so. Unless Georgia has some type of really tight matchup or ends up losing in the SEC championship game, Michigan, I don't think, is going to take that number one spot from them. They're the the returning national champs. Uh, They've undefeated season in the SEC, which is regarded by ESPN as the toughest conference uh, in college football. So I don't think we'll take that spot from them. We'll sit at number two and be happy with it. The other thing that we did this game, we didn't allow it to be close enough. Ohio State's done. They're not getting in. And how much better does that feel? I know it's slimy, but I don't care. Not only do we have the win, but Ohio State, your season's over. And we came to your place and you hosted us and we wiped our feet on your mat as we left. And uh, man, I'm just excited about the, the, the whole way that everything came together there. Pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Uh, I love the wipe your feet on the mat. We have a 1999 super chat from our guy Shane Johnson, who says, "My Monday, my Monday super chat. JJ needs to have the game of his life with no Blake Corum and a 2016 coach like game plan. We did it, boys. On to Indy, one day at a time, one game at a time. Defending, reigning. So proud of the entire Michigan program." Tough to argue with any of that, Shane. I mean, you called your shot. That's what it. That's what it had to look like. And 
Um, you know, as it pertains to the passing game, um, we've been saying it for weeks. It's not like this was Joe Milton throwing 40, you know, 40 yards over guys' heads and things like that. They were, you know, fingertips away from a lot of these deep balls hitting. And uh, I also thought, you know, give the offensive line some love, the interior, namely. I mean, they were giving J.J. pockets to step up into his throws and deliver those balls, the deep balls today. Um, Just phenomenal, phenomenal execution from those guys. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, this is a legacy game for him. Uh, People, everyone everyone wanted to to make the debate, even up until last week, is – you know, it's basically the Cade McNamara offense, offense all over again. J.J. McCarthy did things today, and again, I'm not using this as, as ammo to trash the other guy, but the reason you flipped the switch to him when you did was for a game like this where things went off schedule. And uh, J- Jim Harbaugh said this week that his message to him was have at it, and, and Ryan, my God, did he ever have at it. Just talk about his performance in a little more uh, just what you saw from him. It looked shaky to start, but only completed 50% of his passes on the day, but uh, he hit all the consequential ones, which hasn't been happening. Anything we talked about, if we've been watching this team, we were hoping that they're holding something back for the Ohio State game, that there's some type of passing game that's going to develop, that we have not allowed J.J. McCarthy to to go unbridled and run the offense the way he wants to run it. And today you saw it. I mean, to have the shot plays called that we had, the double move by Cornelius Johnson, his second touchdown, that was an amazing route and then an amazing concept, and J.J. makes a play. Uh, I think that there's another one, uh, Loveland. Loveland runs a beautiful combo route, and you, you saw the receiver. I don't remember who set the pick with him, but you saw the receiver. As soon as the ball was in the air, the receiver hands go up, touchdown. They knew it. They had this schemed up. They had plays that they liked that they thought they could execute, and if executed, would give them the advantage in this game. And McCarthy made all the big plays when necessary. How many times on third down, especially in the first half, we're looking at third and sevens, third and six, third and eights, and that's not even typical for our, for our Michigan offense. But J.J. McCarthy stays cool, converts, and makes enough plays to keep us on the field. You know, the, the tale of two halves of this game – we decided or we ended up, maybe not decided, but we were kind of forced to get into the track meet mode with them for the first half, first half. And I was very encouraged by the fact that, hey, we did the track meet thing and we're only down by three and we get the ball second half. Then we played our brand of football in the second half and they fell to shambles. And uh, I think a lot of credit goes to J.J. McCarthy just being consistent, cool, and making the plays when we're asking him to make them. And, you know, having cojones. There are some balls he threw today that – there's defenders, there's contested catches, there's p- potential risk for interception, and he let the thing fly. And uh, credit to that kid because you know he works a lot on his mentality and how he approaches the game from a mental standpoint. And to go into Columbus in that hostile environment as a young quarterback and to play calm, collected, and consistent through all four quarters, uh, just tip of the cap, very excited for seeing more of J.J. McCarthy in Maize and Blue. Well, listen, uh, this Jason Sudeikis claims to be the real Jason Sudeikis. I have a I producer love you here. Are. If you are, you're amazing. Love Horrible Bosses. <laughs> One of my favorite movies. Um, Hutch, Hutch are, uh, you can fact check that. Actually, I don't care. I'm accepting that as canon. So uh, thanks. Shout out to Jason Sudeikis for being on the pod uh, today. Uh, let's go let's to go Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, of course, it's right there. <laughs> Duh. Um, Lewis Blake, in my opinion, I did not think the end of first half was bad clock management. Ask the Lions, would you give them too much time on the clock? I actually agree with that. Um, you know, obviously, you don't want to have the penalties and go backwards, but I didn't have an issue with the way the clock was handled uh, before the half. Did you? Any thoughts on that? 
I don't have too much of an opinion just because I don't. There was a couple things the referees did that I was like, what is happening? What, what are we doing in this game? When they didn't reset the chains and JJ, you know, they had a play negated because they didn't have the chains reset and we call a timeout, but then they give us a timeout back. That play, um, that series, JJ scrambles on that third and three and picks up 15, 20 yards. And then they come back and say, oh, never mind. There was a timeout called. I've never seen a play whistled that late, dead. And then we get some penalties. So I'm just thinking, don't give them the ball back, which we did, but with four seconds left. I got no issues with how the clock was managed. Uh, I think it was a, probably a good job considering the kind of weirdness surrounding the officiating on that series. Yeah, just because that's the way – maybe you wouldn't manage the clock that way in Madden or NCAA 14. Uh, a little bit different in this in, against this team in that building. So uh, Dave Mays with a $10 Super Chat says, what was the biggest factor in this win? Was it Ohio State coaching? Was it Michigan's resilience? Was it JJ? Uh, probably a bit of all of it, honestly. I, I would go back to Michigan's resilience. Even when they were going through it early on in this game, they never looked rattled. They were playing hard. Uh, JJ McCarthy is probably that's number one for me with a bullet. I mean, you needed him to have that type of day uh, to give yourself a shot, but how would you rank what Dave lays out here? I'm going with coaching as good as JJ McCarthy played. You can't really point to anything else as far as, especially second half adjustments, Michigan's coaching staff took Ryan day and his coaching staff behind the woodshed and slapped them around in the second half. There's no other way to describe it. You both had the same amount of time at halftime to make some adjustments to, to improve your odds of winning. And Michigan comes out in the second half and goes 28 to three and just runs all over them. Defensively, we're getting stops. We create turnovers at the end there. Uh, Michigan's coaching staff deserves a ton of credit for the game plan they put together, sticking with it, and getting these guys to play at the level that they played at. Because like you said, they were playing hard the first half. We were just playing Ohio State's brand of football as far as the track meet was going. But stayed calm, made the adjustments at halftime, and completely waxed them in their place. And I think you have to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff for what they were able to put together. And the way the players executed it was just magnifique, wonderful. Magnifique, a little bit of French. I think that's French. I don't know. We're, I don't not, know. Doing, we're not doing anything with this here today. There's so much more to talk about. Uh, Lamar uh, Hayburn with a $5 super chat says the offensive line were savages today. First and pass pro, then on the ground late in this one. I added the late in this one part. Uh, how does Michigan match up with the potential playoff teams? Assuming, I mean, Georgia's in. Uh, it probably starts with Georgia. I mean, how do they match up better than last year's team? Probably because that Georgia defensive front was, you know, all-time good. That defense is all-time good. But uh, other than Georgia, I mean, you, you just came in and you went into the number two team in the country's building and dominated them. I can I, anyone but Georgia. You should be able to. I think you have the chance to dominate if you get to the playoffs. So yeah, absolutely. How do you see that? I see it the same way, and I see I see it the same way, and that I think Georgia is not as well matched to go against us as they were last year. But I think part of that is the JJ McCarthy effect, you know, with having him out here or out there and even just a little threat of the run. Now, all of a sudden you can't commit whatever you got in the box, your seven, your eight in the box. You can't commit them all to just one running back, because if you do, we will burn you with JJ going the other way. And I think that having that little tiny, wrinkle in our offense really opens up the running game. It creates more opportunities in the passing game. It just makes you more dynamic. I think we all kind of knew that when we were considering and weighing McNamara versus McCarthy. Uh, I think, I don't think we'll take Georgia's spot. 
but I think that Michigan is with this specifically this victory on everybody's radar is wow they're just as good as Georgia maybe and we are the top we are the second best team in the country right now I don't think we're the first but uh, I think that we'll give Georgia all that they want should we happen to meet up with them in the college football playoff we still got to win a big 10 championship let's not forget that but uh, if we should see them in the, in the college football playoff I feel good about it um, this isn't a brave take because I waited until after the Ohio State game to say it. But I'm going to say it anyways in that this team has looked bored since the Penn State game. Uh, I really felt that when they when they were going to be up against it, playing this football team, I thought, and it's the reason I made the staff pick, also pat myself on the back, only Wolverine staff member to pick a win. Shout out to me. Uh, I don't usually take the moment to do that, but I will give myself a shout out there. Um, this team has looked, they looked bored throughout. I mean, this was the mission. And we say that, I say that they look bored at times, but throughout this journey, they were still blowing teams off the field by the end of the game. And today the recipe was the same as it has been all year. It's feel it out in the first half, get to halftime, avoid disaster, then hammer away in the second half. Uh, the formula works. I mean, if nothing else today proved that last year was no fluke, their style this year is no fluke, and they're still – we've talked about meat left on the bone, especially offensively all year. Obviously, they weren't firing on all cylinders. The box score will tell a different story, but you know, if you watch this game, you'll see that it didn't really break open until late. Jim Harbaugh's formula works, and when you can control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football, it works. And that's my biggest takeaway, I think, from this game, from last year's game. This is sustainable, and you have you have momentum now. I said last year doesn't have to be a one-year wonder. Still have to go win a Big Ten championship now. Still have to compete in the college football playoff, but this is going to keep rolling along. Uh, this is momentum and serious momentum for the first time in two decades. It also really might interest might change the dynamic of the recruiting when we get into the offseason, not to look ahead there, but Michigan-Ohio State, in a lot of people's eyes, have not been a team that, you know, they're, they're not comparable. Ohio State's been to the college football playoff. Michigan hasn't. Ohio State's won the Big Ten championship. Michigan hasn't. Now Jim Harbaugh gets to go in the living room and says, we're the best team in the Big Ten. We're the best team in the Big Ten for two years of running considering things go well for the, for the big 10 championship. So I think things get a little more interesting in this rivalry. And I think it's going to get a little bit more heated because there's not a significant difference uh, between the quality of programs at Michigan and Ohio state anymore. This kind of cements that. And I think it's going to lead to Michigan and Ohio state competing for more recruits. And I don't think Michigan is going to get any worse anytime soon. I think, like you said, the momentum is going to build and this team's just going to keep getting better and better and keep bringing in more guys and more pieces that fit this system. Cause now we have a brand of football. We have a brand that works. It's been tried and true. And I don't know any team that, can play the way we play and play at the level that we play at and have depth like we've had depth and had to go into some of the different positions and go to the third, fourth, fifth guy. So Michigan is here now, and I think they're here to stay with Jim Harbaugh. Absolutely. We'll go back to Shane Johnson here. First, this comment from Ev, and then we'll get to Shane. Uh, 100% Day and Knowles were outsmarted and out. Coach, I agree. Hey, you go to the Big 12 to fix your defense. Eh, you know. 
questionable de- questionable decision there potentially. Uh, Shane Johnson, Barrett, and Colson stepped up big. 18 combined tackles. The entire number one defense in the nation stepped up. Keep recruiting those five star wide receivers. Ohio State. We got it. Let's go blue. Um, Let's talk about this one for a second. Gary Green, uh, I wanted Harbaugh gone after the COVID year. Glad they kept him. Yeah, obviously. But, Ryan, I mean, just talk about in general. This, I mean, you got to sit in this one and enjoy this one first, and we'll see what happens next week because there are – guess what? There are bigger fish to fry now. But over the last few years, this is the most remarkable coaching turnaround that I think arguably I've ever seen in sports. I, I'll go that far with it. Um this program was dead in the water during that COVID season, which is obviously a blip now, but I don't think we understand just how on the ropes this, this program and this coach was. Uh, you got to give a lot of credit to Jim Harbaugh for whatever he did to reflect on what he wanted to change about his program. He was dead right as far as what he changed. He brings in new young offensive coordinator, new young defensive coordinator, uh, another new young with Jesse Minter this year, but Sharon Moore, Ron Bellamy, some former Michigan guys. The group chat with all the former players is so thrilled about the addition of some of the old Michigan guys into this staff to help kind of uphold the traditions and, and share the culture that is the Michigan football program. And, you just got to credit Jim Harbaugh because there's probably a lot of pride and there's probably a lot of, I'll just go back to the old well and find some coach that I know can do well and not going to take any chances because I'm my, my butt's on the hot seat. He didn't do that. He went out uh, with a open mind and informed a staff that in my eyes is young, talented. There's going to be guys getting hired out of Michigan just like I think the Alabamas and the Clemsons, but the assistant coaches are going to get preyed on by other programs because of how successful they've been in such short spans of time. And you've just got to give so much credit to Jim Harbaugh for as an old dog coming up with some new tricks and just believing in himself and uh, the way he's got these guys playing. It's a tremendous program and a tremendous turnaround, maybe one of the best in college football in the last decade, 20 years, 30 years, something like that. I would I would agree with all that and also say and again sorry there is a little bit of background noise here we do have some post game stuff that's going on I hear uh, some sad Buckeyes that's what yeah. I hear <laughs> that's why I have no issue leaving it in there people care more about that than what oh, I have to say anyway. so, um, 999 super chat from uh, Hexy Ace who says Ryan hit the nail on the head the defense was huge think about the first half they were out there it seemed like the entire first half men are forced to punt in some field goals offense then kept hope alive with the home runs yeah complimentary football uh that's when you hear that hear that term that's what it looked like it looks like is it not absolutely i mean the secondary the secondary the secondary i've been a guy that on the defensive line i can always be critical of the back end but to be honest the back end held up our defensive line you want to talk about a group that didn't perform their best this game I would say the defensive line was a little bit of a liability in this game. We did not get a good good amount of pressure, especially in the first half. C.J. Stroud was very comfortable. He was in rhythm. He was on time. And our secondary held up coverages on the best wide receivers in the country. I still think they are the best wide receivers in the country. And our secondary held coverage for three, four, five seconds. And the balls that they're throwing – They're contested every single time. Ohio State made some great plays. There was very rarely someone wide open. And uh, the secondary and linebackers, but the secondary specifically, what a tremendous job that they did and game plan that they executed to take Ohio State's threats and wide receivers and limit them the way that they did. 
Yeah, I've got a question about, uh, thank you for the question, Hexy. Again, if you want to get yourself in the chat here, uh, plenty of room for questions. We've, we've got, uh, you know, probably 15, 20 minutes left on here. But uh, in terms of Big Ten West scenarios, someone had asked about that. Um, if Purdue wins today, they're going to Indy. If Purdue loses, I believe it would be Iowa. And then uh, I'm going to have to – I didn't come prepared for that. I should have come prepared for that. That's on me. Um, Purdue wins, they're in. I believe that if Illinois – if Purdue loses and Illinois wins, they will go. And if both of those teams lose, I believe that uh, Iowa will be the team that goes. So still a lot to sort out there. Uh, let's take this one from – <laughs> from Ben, who says, I wonder how many Ohio State fans bought tickets to Indy. Ha, 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 ha. Um, uh, not, not a question. Just one I wanted to throw in there. Uh, Greg, in, in reference to uh, allegedly Jason Sudeikis hopping in here, had to Google who it was, and, and Ted Lasso was modeled partially after Jim Harbaugh. That is true, by the way. You can Google that. Uh, Greg did. So, uh, let's see. okay, we have it for much here. So, Purdue wins the Big Ten West if they beat Indiana. Illinois will win if they beat Northwestern and Purdue loses to Indiana. And Iowa wins the Big Ten West if Purdue and Illinois lose today. So that is where we're at right now. Uh, I guess a question from you, Ryan, of those teams, who would you rather see right now? Uh, I'd love to see uh, – I'd love to see Purdue just because I think that they – are a team that would not match up with our physicality very well. I think Illinois, I don't want any more of Illinois, to be honest with you. Not that I'm afraid of them, but those guys play a brand of football that's very similar to ours. And uh, it's not something that I think that we want to see again if we had our choice. And, oh, my God, if Iowa makes it in, all you got to do is score 10 points and you beat Iowa. So I would, I would rank it similarly. Um, would love to just see an opponent that I don't think Michigan's played Purdue since 2017. So um, it'd be cool to see uh, Jeff Brobs' squad get there too. Um, Q is wide open for questions, you guys. Other than that, let me look at the box score here. Uh, CJ Stroud is wrapping up his interview above me. Uh, stat that sticks out to me. I mean, who gets your game ball today? I mean, who is it? So many big performances, right? I mean, Mike. Mike Sander still, Mike Sander still, hands down, no doubt about it. The amount of plays that he made, I mean, he making that uh, breakup on Stover in the end zone there in the fourth quarter might be one of the best defensive yeah, plays I've seen. Four. And you think about Mike Sander still stands what five foot eight, one seventy. Stover is six seven, two eighty on a jump ball, and Sander still won the matchup, uh, uh, and he did that all over the place all day. And I know there's guys on offense that are probably just as deserving, but Mike Sanders still, in my opinion, changed the game from his position at inside corner. And um, it's rare that someone can change the game from that position, but he was a game break, game change, drive ender. And honestly, I think that you couldn't have asked him to play a better game. No, I thought Rod Moore was outstanding today too. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a couple of passes broken up. Uh, Shane Johnson with another $2 says, uh, Mikey S just, wow. Yeah. I mean, there's that dude was playing wide receiver in this game last year and he, he had a Dax big Hill's job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's been, you know, no disrespect intended, but I think in that role this year, he's been a little more impactful or mm -hmm. especially when it comes to tackling. So, um, Tropicana banana says CJ on offense, Mike Sainer still on defense. I think he means JJ. 
CJ, well, Cornelius Johnson too. Oh, it could be, yeah. So, yeah, four catches, 160 yards, two touchdowns, uh, touchdowns on back. Here's another. I don't think I said this one yet. So Michigan scored six touchdowns today, which is that's great too. I mean, you got to score touchdowns and not field goals in this game. Michigan scored touchdowns of. We've talked about leaving meat on the bone on offense. 69 yards, 75 yards, 45 yards, 75 yards, and 85 yards. I mean, we thought the big plays would probably would could had a chance to snowball eventually. I don't know that I expected that in this building. Not at all. I mean, that's who you would have thought that Ohio State would have that touchdown, you know, scoring summary of long plays, long plays. But again, Jesse Minner as a defensive coordinator uh, might be nominated might be selected assistant coach of the year think about how i mean to come in in your first year and to go up against ohio state team and only give them three points in the second half in their place with cj stroud heisman candidate quarterback a perfect weather day you can't talk about the weather because it ended up being freaking 55 and gorgeous which had me all sorts of worried uh but cj stroud unless you had a cough or a sniffle you had every opportunity to, to come out here and, and demonstrate that you were a Heisman candidate quarterback. And to be honest, he made some plays. I got to give the kid credit, but we made more big plays. And to say that we out big played Ohio state, if you'd have told me that on Friday, I would have been, mm, I don't know, but that's what happened. I mean, Sharon Moore and, and Matt Weiss also just in their bag completely. Uh, as Matt says, uh, Kalal Mullings gets a game ball for that incredible jump pass on third down, which they set up, by the way. Um, he comes on the field in the first half for a short yardage run, and people go, what are you doing here? He's only had one carry uh, the whole season. He gets stuffed, but they set that up. And, my God, what a – you always there's always something you say for this. You know, I don't ever – I don't always buy the idea that oh, well, they're going to unleash the totality of the offense against the Buckeyes. But there's always something, some little wrinkle that you save, and that was the one. Um, Kalel Mullings had taken reps with the, the running backs in spring ball. Just a phenomenal job when your name is called. It'd be just a group effort. Um, you know, the rushing, the run game wasn't there today. The box score is completely misleading. It got going late, but uh, just just an incredible job by that offensive staff, just piecing something together and finding a way. And that's Again, it goes back to why why they flipped the page to J.J. McCarthy at quarterback because you have to be able to go off script when things can't be the way you want them. And that's no offense to his predecessor. When they played Georgia last year, you weren't able to do that because you couldn't win up front and you know your, your quarterback wasn't a playmaker with his legs or his arm and, and just kind of managed the game. This was a star-making turn from him in a game that – Usually the star-making turns go the other way. I mean, this is a – J.J. McCarthy is, you know, he is a legend in Ann Arbor now. He should be, and he can gets an opportunity to continue to add to the legacy that he started here. But it, to have our team play the way that they played, and he doesn't even have to throw a pass. Or, I'm sorry, he threw two passes, no completions, but no completions in the fourth quarter. And our team can just – walk away with this thing. Uh, that's a credit to your offensive line. Huge credit. Uh, Shane Johnson just came in, but to Donovan Edwards, to go in with a broken hand and have only your left hand and to have ball security like he had, incredible, incredible. Because you knew if you're Ohio State, you know this. You know the scouting report. You know this guy's got a messed up hand. He's got a giant cast on it. They're raking at the ball. They're trying to get the ball. And for Donovan Edwards to come out and have the game that he did in the absence of Blake Corum, 
to be honest, offensively, he might end up getting my game ball over JJ as well as he played just because he waited patiently for his opportunities. He took care of the ball when there wasn't anything there. And for him to get those big gashing runs at the end, I thought it was well-deserved. Absolutely. Uh, from Blue Heart says, uh, $5 Super Chat says, I can't wait to hear how badly Ohio State will beat Michigan next year because Michigan planted a flag at midfield as John Morton and Chris Ballas to my left. Finishing up the show, fellas. Hey, can right. I get some respect for uh, the gate, the the staff pick? Yeah, absolutely. Anthony Broom finally. Well, second week in a row. That's Hail right. Anthony. I'm on a hot streak. Hail Anthony. All right. Yeah, that's enough of uh, me patting myself <laughs> on the back. But um, yeah, I mean, this was a game, and this is a game where you can either talk about it or be about it. And when you beat a team two years in a row the way they did, I have zero issue with that. So use it as fuel next year. Okay, well, big deal. But yeah, bulletin board all you want. But at the end of the day, there's guys now on Ohio State's team that are going to be juniors that have never beat Michigan. And that's one thing that culturally you better start pressing the panic button. I want to know, does Ryan Day's seat get a little hot with with this loss? Because not only has he gotten beat by Michigan, but he hasn't been within two scores of Michigan in the last two years. And Ohio State alum, Ohio State fan base, they love to win this game. And they've expected to win this game and they can no longer expect it. Not only that, they now have to worry and wonder, can we win against Michigan? Oh, what a change in dynamic that is. And I, I don't think that there's anything that you can do that makes your team. That's a finesse team, be able to bow their necks and play against a physical style of football. So I think Ryan Day has got to answer some questions and I'm interested to see the development of that coaching staff because he's going to have to be pressured to make some changes or he's going to be looking on his way out, uh, I think, if he can't get things turned around. $5 here from Lamar, who says, uh, 1099 days since the last time Michigan lost to Ohio State. Man, that felt good to say, go blue. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy to say that this, I mean, throw the coat. Obviously, they didn't play in the COVID year, but there are guys, they'll come into this, like you said, come out of this field or come to Ann Arbor next year who will have never beaten Michigan. Um, that is insane to say because it's just so, this turnaround has been so out of left field. Uh, we have a couple more minutes for questions here. Wrap a little early. Got a lot to write about, a lot to do, uh, and then also the, the long drive home tonight to make. But um, let's go to – I want to hear your thoughts on this, Ryan. Uh, Steve-O says this is – I think I said this a couple weeks ago. Michigan's the best second-half team I've ever seen. They steamroll teams in the second half this season. I agree and on all accounts. Uh, Michigan, if we get to halftime in a close game – Every other team has to be worried because the way we come out in the second half and play the third quarter, specifically this game, even the fourth quarter, but the way that we come out and play in the second half is we have the same intensity that we start the game with, but it's applied in all the right directions. We, we have schematically, we're so sound in the second half. Anything that you had that was niche or that was hitting a little bit offensively for you, it gets shut down in the second half. And I think the teams complement or the, the offense and defense complement each other so well that yes, our offense seems to do better in the second half, but I think that's a product or a result of our defense being so stifling in the second half. You get just a couple little dinks and dunks in the first half when you play against us, but in the second half, we shut you down and we've been doing that consistently. And people have said, well, you're not playing anybody. Well, now we've done that to a Penn state team. Now we've done that to an Ohio state team and we did them, both, you know, 
uh, pretty convincingly. So Michigan, I agree. Second half, best second half team I've ever seen. This is the best second half of football I've ever seen Michigan play in all of my 33 years. The last time Michigan won in Columbus, I was in sixth grade. So that should say enough. Were you even thinking about playing football at Michigan at that point? Sixth grade? Yeah, I wrote Yeah, I wrote uh, Bill Martin in a, a letter that I was going to come play quarterback for him, actually. My mom still has it. Well, I'd love to see that, first off. I'll publish it. <laughs> um, second, I mean, this environment, I want, to, I want your thoughts as a former player on what do you remember about playing in this stadium specifically and, and the environment and – can you quantify like how big a deal is to dominate a half of football like that in this building? It's, it seems like the cosmos, nothing can stop you because everything in that environment is against you. It's so apparent how much hatred there is for the Michigan football team when you're in your away uniforms and coming out of the tunnel and you need something to get some momentum going. And that's what I was worried about in the first half or even just the first couple series was that we didn't really have anything to go to the first CJ, you know, hitch that he hits and ends up taking it 60 yards for a touchdown. When I see the guys with the folding chairs up in the air and enjoying the environment, that's when I knew Ohio state's in trouble because no matter what this crowd does, this team's not going to turn down. And I think that's the biggest thing is finding something that you can hang your head on momentum wise and build from it. And then Ohio state, excuse me, I'm very surprised that second half, they couldn't find anything. I thought for sure they'd get at least one series, you know, to go down, but I think it was that Stover pass. That was their one chance to harness some momentum in the second half. And Mike Sandra still gave him the Matumbo. No, no, no. So uh, uh, it's, it's amazing. I, I wish I could have had that experience. I'm hopefully vicariously living through them. Uh, and I would have been holding on to that same flag and playing it right in the center of the O. Shane Johnson with another super chat. He's been firing the money cannon today. He says, Hey, 2023 recruits. How do you like me now? Come Shane. I'll say this. Like we love your financial support here, but maybe you need to start firing the money cannon at them too. So There's enough to go around for everyone. We, uh, we love you. We appreciate you though. I'm uh, going to do a couple quick hitters and then get out of here. Um, quick one from Dave Mays asked, does Saner still have any eligibility left? Technically? Uh, yes. I think he has at least one more year because of the COVID year. So, We'll see what happens there, but uh, amazing, amazing performance today. Uh, Zion Schaub says there's officially been a change of the guard at the top of the Big Ten. Uh, talk about that for a second, Ryan. I mean, how crazy is that to say? I mean, it's a win streak now. It is a win streak, and it's something that I think that your culture of winning is something that's tough to build if you're not if you're not winning, it's just something that you strive for. Like, Oh, I want to be a big 10 champion, but I don't even know what that feels like, what it entails, what it requires. But now these guys have this culture that they're building of, of being dominant and winning, you know, getting better through November, which is something that we've talked about before on the podcast. And there's a formula for the guys that are younger to follow and walk in these same footsteps and become big 10 champions. And, that's one thing that I'm super encouraged about is that I still think this is quite a young team. I think that there's a lot of talent that's not leaving. So as good as this year is, I see just as good, maybe even better, which hard hike can be better than 12 and 0, but better for, for the future. And it's, you know, it's so much fun to, to watch because of all of us being so absorbed and, and 
uh, entrenched in the Michigan program and having the COVID year and then seeing what, 24 and two, 25 and two since that COVID year. Uh, to have that turnaround is just amazing. And it's just been great to be a part of that ride. And one other thing I wanted to say when we were talking about that earlier segment was I think our corner specifically, they asked how much Sanders still available uh, eligibility has left. I think we have the best corners in the big 10 and no one's talking about it. I think DJ Turner, Will Johnson, Mike Sanders still are the best corners in the big 10. Um, and I just wanted to throw that out there because I have been critical of safeties and secondary in the past, but our corners are the best in the big 10. And I think they proved it today. Tough to argue it. Uh, we'll take one more here from Lord Grimm. It's just a comment, really, but I think it sums it up. Uh, remember, guys, this was another fluke win for Michigan. They lost in great weather conditions. Blinding sun. This isn't a rivalry anymore. We just got lucky again. So I like the uh, layered sarcasm there. Um, my final thought is this, and it's that it's crazy to sit here and say, oh, well, well, now there's bigger fish to fry because the shoe has been on that foot for almost two decades. This is just another step. Last year was a milestone. Um, and, and that week leading up to the Big Ten title game felt like a coronation. Now it's business. It's another rung on the ladder because you don't just – it's not just beat Ohio State and get to Indy anymore. It's beat Ohio State, get to Indi- Indianapolis, make the college football playoff, win a national title. And – that this has become a business-like step forward for them in such a short time, I think just speaks volumes about not just Harbaugh, but the men that he's put in place, the guys that he's put in leadership roles on his football team, and and those guys in general. I mean, it's, it is remarkable, and it is it's it can be finite. Don't take it for granted, but a, a page has been turned here, and that's that's incredible to say. I agree. It's it's what we expected when we brought Harbaugh back to Ann Arbor. And we had to be patient waiting for him to get this team turned around and get things right. I think even he had to revisit his strategy as to what was going to get this team back to the mecca of, of football that it is known to be. And for him to have this win in his pocket, I feel like it's officially time to claim that Harbaugh has brought in and restored Michigan back to the, the glory days. We're in the glory days. The glory days aren't back behind us. We're not talking about, not that we don't love the 97 national championship team and the big 10 champions under Lloyd Carr, but Jim Harbaugh, I think has made Michigan in put us back into glory day mode. And that's something that I'm super excited about because even as a guy that played on the team, I wanted to be part of the culture change that was at Michigan. And we fell just short. Uh, We did beat Ohio state, but we didn't end up with a big 10 championship. Didn't get to go play in the Rose bowl. So to have Jim Harbaugh do what he's done in the last two years and for Michigan to be standing where it is right now, to me is just, you've got to be tickled as a Michigan fan. And as bad as Ohio state's day probably is, Michigan is good now, and they're going to be good in the next year and coming years. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. A quick five or four ninety nine super chat from Nick, who says Blake Corum is a one hundred yard game of the Big Ten title away from a Heisman Trophy, assuming it's a win. Listen, I think right now you're just hoping he has a knee that works. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I this it didn't look good the two carries that he had today. So. We'll see what happens there. There's not really a whole lot of light I have to shed on that. But uh, this was a team win today. For all the talk about how Blake Corum going down was going to be the death a death march for them, 
there's so much more to this team than that, and they showed it today. And that's, I think, the, the biggest thing is that when, when things are off schedule, you can pivot and other guys can make plays. So, uh, all right, that's going to do it for us here. Um, Ryan, we'll be doing a show next week now, probably another another midnight edition for the second year in a row, but we'd have it no other way. Um, i got to do Ryan, this one more time. I did it last year, so now it's annual. I was just about to ask you about that. There it is. Ryan, uh, for the audio listeners, Ryan is chugging a beer on the air. That's two in a row. And uh, your, daughter's two, your daughter's two and oh now, right? She's a, yeah. She's never experienced a Michigan loss to Ohio state. Probably never will. Well, it's hard to, no man knows the future. Who's to say, but uh, Brian, uh, it's been another pleasure of a regular season uh, with you. We'll do at least, well, we'll do at least two more. We'll see how far it goes from there. But uh, thank you for your time. Uh, thank you to everyone who tuned in after the fact. Uh, celebrate this one but this one the page gets turned a little quicker this year uh so see what happens don't have a big 10 uh title game opponent yet but uh we'll see who that winds up being but uh thanks everyone for listening shout out to lewis jewelers for sponsoring our show and thanks to everyone who took time to listen uh for those of you in columbus travel safe for those of you at home make good decisions be safe have fun tonight uh we'll talk to you again soon Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.